0: Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. <laughs> I, don't I give a rat's ass about Twitter.
1: We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how are we doing tonight?
0: I have 87.57 reasons that I'm doing pretty well, Carson. That is a pretty good recruiting class by Oklahoma State standards.
1: 87.5. Is that what you
0: said? 87.57 is what I'm looking at right now on 247, which is, I believe, the highest of the Mike Gundy era in terms of average overall ranking of commits. Wow, you're you're
1: you're already diving deep into the numbers on me. I wasn't prepared for that number. I oh, was we're going like, straight in with numbers, baby. I was like, "Is that like your your score on the test you took to you know <laughs> get your license and accounting? What what's eighty five point seven? That sounds like my average grade, just middle of the road B. But that, apparently, that's a lot better for recruiting.
0: It's a lot better for recruiting, yes. It's not, let's see, scroll up to the top. It's not 95.17, which is Alabama, but it's pretty darn good. Let's see, just briefly in comparison, the next highest Big 12 team behind Oklahoma State is Iowa State. They're at 86.3, so uh, about a full point and a half behind where Oklahoma State's at. So feel good. We don't often feel good after early signing day, but we've got reason to feel good for once.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that. I definitely want to get your take on, on the class. I think it's a, a hugely successful signing day for Oklahoma State. Before before we dive into everything, let's hear from Chris University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at Chris dot com. They have all the latest and greatest cowboy gear. Stop by there if you're in Stillwater going to a basketball game this year or baseball season's not too far away. I mean, we'll get to baseball in the spring, but uh be sure to stop by Chris's University Spirit. We appreciate them as always. I sound like I have a cold because I do. I've been fighting a just hor- all this weather change stuff. Just Colby, I in truth, I used to think people that said they had allergies were just being weak minded and needed to toughen up. But in the last like three years, I've started getting like really bad allergies to where I, I had to eat my words a little bit. But I, I hope I don't sound as bad as it sounds in my head.
0: As someone who has had allergies pretty much all his life, I kind of think you got what you had coming for making fun of us who have dealt with this for so long because it's not fun.
1: Yeah, I deserve that. And maybe I'm just getting old where it finally affects me. But man, when that weather changes from the 80s that we had earlier this week down to cold in the morning, it it, it doesn't number on me. But we're going to power through because that's what we do here on the Pistols Firing Podcast. You mentioned it, Colby. I mean, one of the better recruiting classes for Oklahoma State, their best since 2011. Just give me your, your overall uh, take on just the way signing day ended up. Oklahoma State finished all their, all their signees were in before, I believe, 9 o'clock in the morning, so they were done early. But just give me your, kind of your overall thoughts on, on the class. Yeah, it was a stress-free
0: day, which if you ask Mike Norvell, hey, a stress-free day on early signing day is fantastic. You don't want stress. You don't want surprises. There was no stress. There were no surprises. And what I think I found most encouraging about all of it, Carson, is that we kept hearing that some bigger-name programs toward the end of this deal, started coming after some of the bigger-named recruits in Oklahoma State's class, Ollie Gordon, Taylor Shetron, some of these higher-ranked guys, especially on that offensive side of the ball. Some bigger names, helmet logos, if you will, the HL metric, started calling for some of these guys, and none of them budged. None of them budged a bit. It's what's happening in Stillwater right now. There is some serious momentum toward the future As it looks like Oklahoma State is trying to build something that's a little more sustainable for year in year out success, as opposed to what we've seen for a long time, which is yes, you're gonna have a really good team, a really good team every four or five years. And then you're going to have a couple years where you go seven and five, maybe eight and four, six and six in 2014. You know, if you can get rid of the six and sixes and the seven and fives, if you can be eight and four and better every year, and then the years that you peak, you win 11, 12, depending on postseason, maybe 13 games. That's when you start to get yourself into a different conversation in college football. So I thought Carson, it was very encouraging to hear that some of the big boys came calling and Oklahoma State's recruits said, you know what? I'm good. I'm headed to Stillwater.
1: Yeah, and that's to me. That's it's something I've seen. You know, I've I've covered Mike since he, his first season when I was a student at Oklahoma State, and that kind of has been a trend year after year after year. I think Mike Gundy's evaluation has been proven. You know, he takes guys. You know, he actually gave me that quote years ago. I asked him about, you know, Mike, how are you ranked in the in the '40s? But you're the second winningest program in the Big Twelve, and. That's when he gave that that quote that still rings true today. He's like, we turned two stars into three stars and three stars into four stars and on up. And I think we've seen that year after year where I think Mike Gundy's evaluation, when he has a guy either offered or committed for a long time, I think other coaches take stock in that because I think Mike's proven that he's a really good evaluator. And if they have guys you know, flake out on them, I, I think that's something that happens a lot year after year with Mike Gundy in his, his classes, whereas... They don't get all the, the hype and all the stars, but I think the football coaches themselves know that Mike's a really good evaluator. So that was certainly encouraging that they, they hung on to everybody. And just what sticks out to me, Colby, is, you know, I've been – me and Kyle Porter used to holler about uh, recruiting rankings and team rankings for years at Oklahoma State. I just felt like since you've been the second winningest program in the, in the Big 12 for a decade – they hadn't quite parlayed that. They never quite parlayed the new facilities into a higher level of recruiting class. And my Gundy was winning 10 games, you know, five out of seven years, so nobody really complained about it. I just felt like they were, they were leaving stuff on the table with their recruiting classes. Well, this year, I have nothing to complain about. I think Oklahoma State, year in, year out, should have a top 25 class. It's going to be tough to break into top 15 just with all the blue bloods and the way recruiting is working now with NIL and all those things. But I thought Mike Gundy and his staff really delivered this year. I mean, this is a top 25 class with absolute headliners. And I kind of want to go through them, uh, Colby. And let's let's start with, with with Talon Shetron. I mean, this is the highest ranked recruit they've gotten since Des Bryant. And that that's a mouthful in and of itself. Clearly signing his brother, uh, Tabry, as a tight end helped got him to flip from Oklahoma. I do think the upheaval of Lincoln Riley may have got him to flip anyway. But I think I think his brother Tabor is a good player in his own right. I've I've I covered them this year at Edmond Santa Fe. But but Colby just keeping that Edmond Santa Fe pipeline going with a headliner like like Talon Shetron. Again, just another example that that Casey Dunn, you know, he's, he's moved on to offensive coordinator role as well, but he still remains one of the most elite wide receiver coaches in the country to get him.
0: Yeah, absolutely he does, and that's a big get for Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State has very much been wide receiver U for the better part of – Man, I don't know. I mean, we could go as far back as Hartley if you want to. Now, the 90s were kind of a gap, but then you get into Rashawn Woods, Darius Bowman, Des Bryant, uh, Justin Blackman. Uh, Tyreek Hill, brief stint, obviously didn't end the way you'd want it to, but then you get James Washington, Tyler Wallace, and then um, Tay Martin filled in nicely in his short time in Stillwater. He's been a great player, and now you're kind of looking for that next guy, and, and you might already have that guy on the roster. It might be Brendan Presley. It might be John Paul Richardson. It might be Jaden Bray. Or it might be one of these guys coming in. It might be Braylon Presley. It might be Talon, Talon, however you say it. It might be Shetron. And he's a big-time recruit. And for him to wind up in Stillwater is a big deal. And when you combine that with the fact that they got Garrett Rangel at quarterback, it's just pretty exciting to think that maybe, just maybe, we're not but about two years away from seeing an Oklahoma State team that can put 45 on somebody because Jim Knowles is gone. We hope that the defense doesn't miss a beat. In reality, you lose a coach like Jim Knowles, the defense is still going to be good. The personnel is still going to be good next year. But you might drop off a little bit because he just always dialed up the exact right thing at the exact right moment. So getting some of these bigger guys on offense is nice because it's all... It's all about having it on both sides of the ball, right? It's got to be a symbiotic relationship between offense and defense, and it was mostly defense this year and really last year if you want to go back a little bit further. So maybe now with some of these highly touted, very talented kids coming in, you put it together and things work out, then all of a sudden maybe you're looking at an offense uh, like we saw three, four, five years ago with Mason and James. So it's pretty exciting for the future, especially on that side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're really young on that side of the ball with the incumbent players, but just this class. I mean, we we just mentioned uh, – I think it's Talon Shetron and his brother. Oh, okay. And um, I think, Colby, the, the player I'm excited about the most in this entire class, can you guess who it is? Uh, I'm going to guess Braylon Presley because every time I
0: log on to Twitter, I see another tweet from one Carson Cunningham about just how great Br- Braylon Presley
1: is. It's actually not Braylon who I want to get to in a second. Yeah. Now, I, since you brought him up, actually, let's just, let's just dive into to I want to heighten the suspense on who I'm most excited about. Okay. But, you know, I, I covered high school football for 13 years working in television. And for me, I think Braylon Presley is the best player I've seen and covered. And it's really not even that close. I mean, the guys that come to mind are like Sterling Shepard. Barry J. Sanders. There's been a lot of really, really good high school football players I've covered. But Braylon Presley, it's like watching um, Tyreek Hill play against high school kids. Like, for instance, uh, Bixby's playing Choctaw. This game was built up as the game of the year. It was our game of the week on Channel 5. You know, Choctaw played them close in the state title game a year ago. First play from scrimmage. Braylon Presley takes it 75 yards on a run, untouched, touchdown, called back for holding. Very next play, he runs a slant, catches it, untouched, 80-yard touchdown. I mean, I've never seen a high school player run untouched for long touchdowns in my life. It, It really is like he's playing a totally different speed than everyone else in the field. And I know he's undersized, but I just think the way football has moved with the success of Tyreek Hill in the NFL, you know, shorter wide receivers have become much more of a a threat at at a high level of of football. I just think this kid and he he plays running back and receiver. Now they listed him at receiver for Oklahoma State purposes. I think that's perfect for him because we all know that running Tyreek Hill off tackle at running back was not a good move back when he was at Oklahoma State. But this kid is absolutely electric. He, I think he's better than his brother, which that's no slight to Brennan. Brennan was a really, I mean, he was he was the Gatorade player of the year himself, just like Braylon Presley in the state of Oklahoma. But I am just so excited to watch this guy at the next level, Colby, because already he is virtually untouchable when he gets the ball in his hands. And so I'm excited to see what Oklahoma State can do with him. Yeah, it's
0: a huge regret of mine that I didn't get to see him play in person in high school. It's just never had a chance to get up to Bixby and just seemed like other things were going on. So I didn't get a chance to watch him play in person in high school, but I'll certainly get that chance whenever he makes his way to Oklahoma State. And he's a guy that you just wonder – I mean, we've seen more more recently on the defensive side of the ball, we've seen true freshmen have huge impacts. A year ago, it was Trace Ford. This year, it was Colin Oliver, both in-state guys, both from Edmund Santa Fe. And we saw some guys on the offensive side of the ball this year as well. Jaden Bray came in. He, he immediately is thrust in with injuries and some other things and plays some valuable minutes. We see John Paul Richardson come in. He makes some nice plays. And now you've got Braylon Presley coming in who – I mean, like you say, every time I see a highlight of Braylon Presley pop up, it is just him running and other dudes chasing. That I mean, they're not playing football. They're playing tag. They're trying to catch this man and get a hand on him, and they can't do it. And this is 6A football we're talking about here. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to watch him play at the next level, and I wouldn't be shocked if he was an immediate impact, true freshman kind of guy. Carson, I think you left your mic off.
1: Damn it. I'm back. <laughs> do, you, do you want to hear his stats over the last three years? Absolutely, I do. Braylon Presley rushed for 4,235 yards and 63 touchdowns. That's rushing. He also accounted for 1,600 receiving yards and 23 touchdowns. So let's see here. He scored 86 touchdowns over the past three years and over. Nearly 6,000 total yards. I mean, and this is at Bixby, who plays 6A1, uh, 6A2, but they've, they've pounded jinx. They've, they've beaten everyone. They, they had the longest winning streak in the history of the state of, of Oklahoma. They broke that record from Wagner. Shout out to Malcolm Rodriguez and the Wagner team. But he's not doing this in, in 2A private school football. This is 6A2 and playing a big time 6A1 schools as well. So to me, he's proven. And Mike Gundy said, quote, he'll be a slot. He's a slot receiver. He gets quick passes. You dump it to him, throw it to the flat, throw it to him, he'll catch it. And you get and you got to come catch him, tackle him in space. That's what his role will be punt return, kick return. So it sounds like they're gonna just do everything in their power to get him the football, which I'm I'm sure is what the same things they were saying about about Brennan, because we saw him with the kick return touchdown and had a had a really good year at, at receiver as well. So I'm I'm really fired up about Braylon. I think he's going to be big time. I just hope they use him in the right ways. And it sounds like, uh, according to Mike Gundy, they they certainly will. So enough suspense. Do you know who I'm most excited about? Uh, My next guess would be Ollie Gordon, maybe? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, there we go. Nailed it.
1: I mean, he's a finalist for Mr. Texas football. I think you can make a case. He's a top five player in the entire state of Texas. And, you know, Arkansas and Texas wanted him. Mike Gundy said he might get up to 230 by the time he gets to gets going with Rob Glass. He's 208 last week, according to Mike Gundy. And just this dude's film is off the chart. Like, I may be exaggerating here. Like Jalen Warren's done, right? He, he has no more eligibility. We, have we Jaylen confirmed Warren, that?
0: I believe. I don't think that that is confirmed. I think that if Jalen wants to come back, he can because he has his COVID year. But, man, he's been in college for a long time, and he did a ton for his draft stock this year. So I, I would be pretty surprised if Jalen Warren suits up for Oklahoma State next season.
1: Well, and I know Mike loves incumbent players, loves rewarding guys who have been in the program a while and do everything right, go to class, respectful of the media, all that. I may be exaggerating here. I think Ollie Gordon might be your starting running back next year. I don't, I mean, Ooh. the, the level, do you realize the level he's playing at at Texas? No, no, no. I do.
0: I realize that level, but Dominic well, He's playing
1: against D1, D1 college kids every week.
0: I know. Don, they Dom- can't Dominic tackle him. Jalen Lemo- Warren, not Jalen Lemo- Warren. Desmond Jackson's paid his dues. Jaden Nixon had, had to sit for a year. I, that is a position where I'm not, and I'm not even saying that you're not right and that maybe he shouldn't start as a true freshman, but that is a particular position where I don't know if I can see Mike Gundy starting a true freshman at that position.
1: Did Justice Hill start as a true freshman or was he a red shirt?
0: Uh, He did not start, no, not as a true freshman. I think he was, uh, because it was Chris Carson and then Chris Carson's second year when Justice Hill was one year older, Gosh, now the timeline is totally jumping. I think Justice Hill
1: might have started as a freshman. I could be wrong. he came
0: in as a freshman and took Carson's job. I thought he'd already been there whenever he took the job from Carson. Let me look it up. Okay, yeah, I I thought he had already took the job. uh, Or or, pardon me, he'd already been there a year whenever he took the job from Chris Carson. But, I I mean, look, I could see it. I've watched the highlights. I haven't seen it. Justice Hill
1: ran for 1,000 yard, 1,100 yards his, his freshman year.
0: Okay, well, there goes just my total logic right there. So, I mean, yeah, if a true freshman is good enough, I rescind my statement. It's proven with Justice Hill. For some reason, I thought he was older when he took over with Chris Carson, but his, his highlights look wildly impressive. Let me ask you this 230 seems a little big, and it sounds good. You know, going to a higher level of football, you get bigger, but the the highlights i've seen from him he's also very explosive and i've seen him moss some guys in the end zone and do some impressive stuff like that so you want him to get bigger and be able to take the hits at the next level and be able to be durable but i don't want him to put on too much weight and get too big to where he loses some of that explosiveness
1: well, i think that's gundy just you know we used to have a bingo card for gundy at, at press conferences where gundy just makes up numbers and stats and just has weird hypothesis. I think that's one of them. I don't I don't think he's gonna play at 230. I just the list of there's there's hardly any running backs in the NFL playing at 230. I mean that's that's the size of Trace Ford, pretty much. So I, I would doubt that. But I'm I'm serious. I mean and again I all the caveats with need playing experienced players. I think it's, it's gonna be really hard to keep this guy off the field. I mean I he's proven at the highest of high level of high school and that spot's gonna be an open competition and look i know they have players coming back desmond jackson first and foremost but let's not kid ourselves um as as good as desmond jackson wasn't in, in filling duty he's he's not the same caliber as, as this kid and again I, w- I was skeptical i remember when justice hill was coming in everyone was claiming he was going to start i was i was skeptical because he was way more frail way more slight than an Ollie Gordon, and he ended up rushing for 1,100 yards. It, it proved me wrong there, so I, I don't know. That's, that's the player I'm most excited about. Who are, who are you most excited about in this class?
0: Yeah, just real quick to, to finish out my thoughts there on Ollie Gordon, I think part of what might play into that too is what did we just see pretty much the entirety of the 2021 season, Carson, when Jalen Warren wasn't out there The running game just was not the same. The other guys were not giving that same level of production. Now, that doesn't mean that those guys can't get better from now to next year. That doesn't mean that those guys, you know, it's different when you're the starter, when you're playing every week, you get into a rhythm, you see the holes, you're working with all the first team guys. I get that there are differences. And one of those guys in that running back room right now, I'm sure is fully capable of taking over and being a great back at Oklahoma State. But the last thing we saw from that room was the Big 12 championship and they couldn't get a yard. Now, that's not all on the running backs it's it's a, a group effort but I, I think that that might be playing into it just a little bit Carson because we do have that recency bias of oh in the last game Jalen Warren was out and nobody really looked like they were ready to fill that role
1: no you're right you're totally right about that uh, um, yeah this is the question for sure
0: yeah so you said you're you're most excited about Ollie Gordon I am most excited and we already talked about him so we don't have to go crazy I'm most excited about Braylon Presley he's just to, to see him come in, to see him and Brennan play on the same team at the same time. And again, I never got to see him play in person in high school. So I'm very much looking forward to see how his career progresses at Oklahoma State. Also, Carson, I'm a huge fan of the little guy. As a little guy myself, I love watching the little guys thrive. So if he could come in and be like another Tyreek where he just ascends to a, a crazy high level, I would love nothing more than to watch that from Braylon
1: Presley. Well, since you didn't get to see him, the comparison I kept making after after seeing him in person, the way they used him, it was like watching Reggie Bush play against an FCS school because he would run it untouched, jukes galore. No one could hardly get a hand on him, let alone tackle him. He would catch it on on screen passes and slants. It was it was like watching Reggie Bush against an FCS school is what it was like. And you know so, and this is an Oklahoma State, Carson, but it's kind of funny that you say that. We're going to watch
0: a Reggie Bush run against 12 FCS schools next year because recruiting's a free-for-all now.
1: Oh, you're talking about the kid that decommitted from Florida State?
0: I'm talking about the number one overall recruit in the country who's going to Jackson State at the FCS level, and I truly cannot wait to watch a Jackson State game next year because I can't wait to see what the number one overall recruit in the entire country can do at the FCS level. I think it's a fascinating story.
1: Thanks for reminding me about that. i you know, I, I'm a Florida State fan. That was a tough. That was a well, tough beat are. for me. Oh, not I'm only does he cool leave, that. he goes to uh, uh, Jackson State, but my man Prime stole him away. Yeah, the all-time it'd, great Seminoles.
0: It'd be like if Barry Sanders went and coached an FCS school, and Oklahoma State had the number one player in the country committed, and Barry took him to go to his FCS yeah. school.
1: It'd be heartbreaking. Exactly. Totally. Yeah, that's so, yeah. That was uh, that was a weird wild. deal. Yeah. So you're excited about Braylon. Uh, and as much as a high as I am on, on Ollie Gordon, I mean, make no mistake, C.J. Brown from Begs is a freaking dude. I mean, legit four-star running back, remain committed the whole time, has 10 offers, all of them legit, and and that's that's kind of the theme I, I wanted to hit on, too. You know, C.J. Brown's a great player, Colby. I, I don't expect you to be breaking down C.J. Brown film from Begs, But as I've made this point many times on this podcast this year, Oklahoma going so national has really opened the floodgates for Oklahoma state. You know, they landed four of the top 10 players in the state of Oklahoma. And I think the players in Oklahoma are getting better each year. And I, we haven't even got to Deshaun Brown yet who I want to hit on. But my point is OSU's capitalizing on in-state recruits. And we've already seen it this year with Colin Oliver. And there's, there's many others trace forward, the whole Edmund Santa Fe pipeline, but man, Colby, I'm, I'm really excited just about all the in-state kids are getting, because they are absolutely big time players. And, and as we've already seen with Colin Oliver, they can make an an immediate impact. Yeah. And I really
0: think that you made a great point there with OU going more national with their recruiting. It used to be Carson. I mean, when you are growing up, when I was growing up, I mean, even as recently as five to 10 years ago in the Stoops era. I mean, if there's just a really good player in the state of Oklahoma, I mean, that guy's going to be down in Norman wearing crimson. And and you just know it, and there's nothing you could do about it. And that has so changed in the last few years. I mean, Oklahoma's going national. They're getting all these guys, and I get it. They're just trying to get the best players they can, regardless of where they're from. But to tell you the truth, Carson, I think that they've ignored some really good in-state talents. They didn't recruit Colin Oliver. They didn't want him. He wasn't good enough to wear crimson and cream. Well, he's good enough now. He was good enough a few weeks ago whenever he was putting Caleb Williams on his back on the last play of the game. So, again, this isn't going to turn into a bag on OU party, but I think that they've ignored some in-state talent. and Didn't like offer said, Braylon Presley. Didn't offer Braylon Presley.
1: Didn't even offer the it, best player in the state. Right.
0: It's crazy that, that he didn't even get an offer. He's the best player in the state. Like that's It's unbelievable. It's just, uh, again, not just trying to bag on OU all night, but – they miss out on a lot of in-state talent because they're looking elsewhere. And like you said, Carson, who is the benefactor of that? That's them boys in Stillwater.
1: Absolutely, and and I I made that point on Twitter a, m- a month or two back when I was tweeting one of those many tweets I've had about Braylon Presley that you mentioned. Like, if you're Oklahoma, you you have to offer Braylon Presley. Like, you have to. And people were like, "Well, they don't they don't need him or they don't want him." I go. A lot of people made the point of, well, his brother's in Stillwater and and uh, all those things. I go, I go. Ryan Broyles was committed to Oklahoma State for like a year until signing day. And, oh, you flipped him at the end. You have to, you have to offer. Like, I don't care if you have Relique Brown from California and they're similar players. The, this is like by far the best player in the state, and you don't even and, offer the
0: guy. And, Carson, you know what you don't have now?
1: Relique Brown you don't have
0: Raleigh Brown. I bet <laughs> Presley would look real good today. And not to say that, oh, you didn't do a great job at the wire with Venables and the staff that he put together, throwing together a pretty good cl- class because they did. They did a great job. But I bet Braylon would look pretty good right now.
1: Oh, certainly. And that. this is a great segue to Deshaun Brown from Choctaw. And that game I was at with between Bixby and Choctaw, I was talking with Eddie Radosevich from Sooner Scoop and, and 107.7, the franchise. And he was like, he was basically telling me he was baffled at the lack of offer for Deshaun Brown from Oklahoma. He, just, he couldn't, he didn't understand it. Didn't, didn't really understand why they weren't recruiting him that hard. Well, Oklahoma offered Deshaun Brown about a month ago or leading up to signing day. And he had a, he had a visit scheduled even to Norman on, on, on Sunday. And he chose not to go to that and sign with Oklahoma state. And this guy, <laughs> I'm telling you what, Colby, if he was from Florida or Texas, he would have another star next to his name. I'm I'm convinced of that. I think just the fact that he plays at Choctaw in Oklahoma, he didn't get the level of buzz. Now, he he was a late bloomer. He really put on weight this last year or two based on what I've been told. This guy is going to be a monster off the edge. You know, Mike Gundy said in his press conference, there's about three guys they've signed that could be the next Colin Oliver rushing the passer well, this guy's number one on that list. He is absolutely big time. And the fact that he stayed committed or the fact that he signed with Oklahoma State despite Oklahoma come calling late, I think that's a huge, huge win. And I think, to me, that was the highlight of signing day because most of their commits have been committed for a long time. Deshaun Brown wasn't committed, and they, they get him on signing day. I think that's, for me, probably the biggest storyline of, of signing day.
0: Yeah, that's a big one, Carson, and that is what you call the domino effect Trace Ford comes to town, true freshman, boom, stud. Colin Oliver comes to town, true freshman, true freshman, all American, stud. Wins bedlam, fourth and ten, gets the sack. It's the domino effect, Then you see somebody else want to come, and other schools come calling, and he's like, no, 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 I want to go be a part of what they've going on, what they've got going on at Oklahoma State, and that is, that's without a defensive coordinator, Carson. Like, you don't have a defensive coordinator on staff right now. He doesn't know who he's going to be playing for, and you know what he said. He said, I wanted to go to Oklahoma State because I want to be a part of what they've got building up there. I think the fact that you don't have a D coordinator and the guy who he thought he was going there to play under, one of the best coordinators in the country leaves, and that kid still decides, you know what? I wasn't committed to that coordinator. I was committed to that program at that university I think that that's pretty big especially on that side of the ball Carson because that goes to show you just how far and this again is why please nobody don't be mad at Jim Knowles thank Jim Knowles because he has changed the reputation of Oklahoma State on that side of the the ball to where now this is a place guys think that they can come and make an immediate impact and really raise their stock and get their name out there so uh, big time stuff on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma State all that success led to a big win in recruiting
1: absolutely um osu gets a quarterback uh Garrett Rangel. Rangel? i've heard it pronounced both ways we'll oh, to Rangel, get gary but- jerry it's a gary jerry situation gary, i've heard gary. both ways um but I, I watched a little bit on him i mean he's a four star on on 247 three star on rivals depending on which site you prefer and colby to me you know it's, it's a big deal anytime they sign a quarterback because that that literally is the future of your program. I mean, when they signed Spencer Sanders, like we knew it was going to be his program for the next, you know, three or four years, whenever he took over. And to me, when I watch him, it looks like he's already running the Oklahoma State offense. It is deep shots, it is, you know, it is very similar route trees that you're seeing. And I think this is a classic case, too, where Oklahoma State signed a lot of quarterbacks that weren't you know, high-level four-star or high-level five-stars like a Mason Rudolph comes to mind that end up being better in college than they were were rated. And I think, you know, they, they identified him early and signed him. And so, you know, Spencer Sanders has another year, then it's the, the Shane Illingworth show, but Rangel's going to have something to say about that.
0: Yeah, that's a uh, big time from Rangel and from Oklahoma State. And Like you said, he kind of looks like, from what I've watched, he looks like an Oklahoma state guy at quarterback, like the way he throws the ball, some of the deep stuff, some of the outs outside the numbers type stuff. I mean, we've talked for years. Oklahoma state doesn't use the middle of the field, a a ton in the passing game. It's a lot outside the number stuff and a lot of deep shots. And he kind of seems like that's what he's tailor made for. So, um yeah I'm very excited to see what he looks like at the next level and you know he doesn't have to come in and start right away he'll have some time to sit he'll have some time to learn hopefully get a red shirt under his belt uh and then at some point become the future of Oklahoma State at the position I mean that's what you're looking for when you recruit that kind of guy so uh expectations are high and I think they should be are you with me Carson
1: Darn it. I'm back. Uh, no, I, I agree with all your sentiments there. And I kind of had an overarching point about the, the class and just recruiting in 2021 slash 2022. Anything else stand out about the class before before I make that point?
0: Uh, it's just, again, kind of like what I led off with. Some bigger schools came calling on offense and on defense. And when I say bigger schools, I mean classically helmet logo type stuff. Uh, I know that we all believe Oklahoma State has built and is still building something special in Stillwater. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's big time as Oklahoma State fans, whenever you can sit here in the year 2021 and say big bigger names came calling, Blue Bloods came calling, and they put the phone down, and they came to Stillwater. I think that that means something, and and it's big, and it just kind of shows you the growth of the program.
1: Yeah, kind of the quote of the day from from Mike Gundy's signing day press conference was, if handled correctly, OSU can move to the very top. And I I think that's certainly the case in the Big 12, and uh, it it seems to me they've really capitalized on what was an outstanding year to, to make it to the Big 12 championship game and playing the Fiesta Bowl. And just the, the article I was referencing with, with Tram, and it's a very interesting way to think about it, and I'm pretty bullish on it, is just the stability of Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State. You know, with NIL, with quarterbacks leaving, even when they're starters to the transfer portal, with all the upheaval. You know, Mike Mike basically gave some quotes to Barry or at the, at the press conference, rather, that, you know, if you don't fit our system, we're like, we're not recruiting you. He's like, we we try to get four and five star guys. We don't get them a lot of times, but it appears to me like they're not going to get into the the mud on a lot of this stuff. They're just going to take really good football players. They're going to bust their tail that fit the program. And now they've put that model with some high level four stars, certainly on offense and, and guys, they think will be really good on defense. And just, it it appears to me, Colby, that I guess the, the way to s- summarize it is Mike Gundy's playing money ball with like Billy Bean style with the Oakland A's where he's not going to have to give a kid 50 grand from a booster. He's, he's, he just can go get the kid he wants that he thinks fits and, and not worry about that type of stuff. And as much as I would like Oklahoma State to compete with, you know, the Alabamas and Georgia of the world, that's probably not realistic with, with the NIL coming into play with Texas giving 50 grand to an offensive lineman that hasn't played a snap. Um, So I, I don't know what you thought about that, but I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. Just the stability of Oklahoma state not only makes them appealing to recruits, but it's also a way to keep winning football games.
0: Yeah. Also just real quick, the irony of the NCAA trying to hold on to what little life it has left and retroactively punishing Oklahoma state for something that happened in 2016, over $300 uh, in the year, 2021, and then, Carson not six weeks later, we've got Jackson State landing a kid getting a million or two from Barstool. We've got offensive linemen at Texas getting 50K. Just the irony of it with the NCAA is so, so thick. But anyway, I'll climb down off my soapbox. Uh, yeah, I think it just shows kind of what we've been talking about for a few weeks now, which is Mike Gundy's talking different. He, he's not talking like, yeah, you, you built this machine. You got to feed it. You know, you got to feed it. You got to stay consistent. It's, it's a lot less of that and a lot more of, oh, no, this program's positioned in a good place to get itself into a new level. And, I mean, that's the level everybody wants to be at, right? OU and Texas want to leave? Go on then. There are some other good programs coming in. The Big 12 is still going to be a respectable conference. And without OU, which has really been the only pitfall for Oklahoma State over the last decade, without the Sooners, guess what? maybe Oklahoma state can run that new look big 12 and take that next step. And if the playoff expands to eight or 12 and you run the new big 12, then all of a sudden you're getting in the playoff all the time. What does that do increases your brand awareness increases your helmet logo that helps everything. So don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but I'm, I'm optimistic. I feel good.
1: No, you're, you're totally, he is talking different. And that's, that's like what I want to hear, frankly, like, again, like, the only criticisms I've had have been mostly recruiting-based. And it appears to me they've upped that. It appears to me they're they're setting their sights higher. It just, a couple of years ago, it just kind of felt like, you know, as, as I mentioned on previous podcasts, the last four years coming into this year, they had about a 65% win percentage. It just kind of felt like the program was in a lull. And now it feels re-energized. Mike Gundy feels re-energized. The recruiting is definitely re energized So that to me is, is exciting. And again, I think I think the new Big 12 getting out of OU shadow is gonna be a big deal. I, I really do. And just getting out of that, not worrying about that that eight pounds gorilla anymore is is a big deal. So now it's, it's an exciting time for sure. Um, any any final thoughts? I guess you got give your final thoughts on, on the recruiting class again. Just outstanding job by Mike Gunning Company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was for for Mike Gundy, for uh, Casey Dunn, guys on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, again, like I said, on the, the defensive side of the ball, those guys don't even know who the D.C. has to be. They're committed to the university. They're committed to the program. Uh, so I think that that's all very positive for Oklahoma State. Loving it, Carson.
1: Yeah. Speaking of, I think Mike Gundy said uh, he won't name a defense coordinator until after the Fiesta Bowl, obviously. He says, quote, I'll do it after the bowl. I don't like to take coaches off coaching staffs during the season. Unlike, unlike a lot of other coaches. Um, Let's see here. He he said he's looking for three things. Smart, hardworking, loyal. (laughs) See, loyal is the word that bothers me, Colby. I know loyal and true is a big deal in Stillwater, but just hire the best guy. And if he gets hired away, you know what? He must've done a hell of a job. You know, like, I mean, just don't worry about the loyalty factor. That to me is when you get in trouble.
0: Yeah, I kind of think so too. It's funny. I saw somebody quote tweeted that and said, uh, Mike Gunny's going to hire a German Shepherd to be the defensive coordinator. Smart, hardworking, and loyal. Uh, now, the whole thing where he's like, Don't even. Sadie? Be- is
1: his dog Sadie the one that used to go to the press conferences? That might but- be right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hire Sadie. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sadie can call plays. Um, but, y- you know, I, the, the funniest thing to me was when he was asked about taking coaches from other programs and stuff like that, he starts talking about how they recruit elsewhere. And he says, you know, we're not at one of those schools that is born on third base and thinks they hit a triple. We don't have that luxury here. He said, although Coach Knowles is going to find out pretty soon, and it was all tongue-in-cheek. It was all in good fun, but Mike Gundy was having some fun at his press conference again, and like I said, I I just feel like he's talking different. He just sounds different to me, Carson, and and I like it.
1: I'm with you, big time. Uh, A few more news items. Are you you signed up for OSU Max yet? This new Oklahoma State is launching a subscription-based streaming service. It will provide uh, you know exclusive content. It costs eight ninety nine a month, and uh, it's the same company that produced the Hour Time series that we got to watch on ESPN Plus last season. But uh, this is kind of where media is working toward Colby, and you know, that's more like hard knock style behind the scenes. I'm curious how much Mike Gundy will let them in on on practice and things of that nature. But uh, they're they're going to produce a ton of their own content, which again kind of takes out the media, the, the general media. It's going to be all, you know, OSU-based. I don't want to say the word propaganda, but they're going to be able to control all the narratives. But it certainly will provide, you know, more content for for OSU-crazed fans. That's for sure. Yeah, it will. Like you said, I think that
0: uh, in general – This is where things are headed. This is where coverage of these big-time programs are headed in in NIL with players wanting more of themselves out there because they they now can view themselves as a brand, brand awareness, all that stuff. Players want to be out there. Well, what's another way to get players out there? Put them in a documentary and put them on your subscription site. And $8.99 a month is, I mean, honestly, for, for me, that seems pretty steep for a streaming service like this is it just launches but at the same time it's like you're supporting the university you're supporting the athletics that you love so um you, you know maybe it's a little more meaningful nine dollars a month than what we spend with these 18 other streaming services that we're all signed up for at the same time but yes i i'm absolutely going to be sparing the 8.99 a month to get access to the
1: osu max oh you are
0: oh that yeah. surprises me Nah, no nah. I think some of that stuff, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and even though it will, to an extent, be propaganda because they'll control exactly what's put out, it's still kind of cool to see what goes on behind the scenes with all these different sports.
1: No, I'm with you. I remember the – I really enjoyed the Our Time series. I didn't think it got yes. enough love as it should have. Like, like, we finally got to see Mike Gundy on a tractor. You know, we, we've heard about it for years and years and years. We finally got to see it. We got to see Mike's dad, Ray, who's been this mysterious figure – around the program for so many years riding on a tractor so if if you could make one series involving osu athletics colby what would it be
0: oh one series involving all of osu athletics
1: yeah doesn't have to be football
0: oh man i think if it was one series i think i might want to go behind the scenes with the basketball team as they dealt with the ncaa stuff I, that's a good I, one. That that would fascinate me to have a true, honest behind-the-scenes looks at initial reactions at conversations because that's that's sports and that's life. It's kind of the intersection of the two, and that would fascinate me a ton.
1: AJ Ferrari. Oh yeah, Mr. switch. You don't even need a, a a theme. Just just follow him around with a camera. Just I want day in the life of AJ Ferrari, like. When he goes to the the student union to get Chick Fil A, does he take his shirt off when he orders? Like, I want to, I want him mic'd up when he's double legging and an OU guy trying to act tough in the handshake line. Like, I give me all of the AJ Ferrari content. I need it. I want it. I would pay nine dollars a month just for an AJ Ferrari TV show, and and that includes his family. I always said his family. When I saw the picture of them, when he signed. How do they not have a reality show already? It's, it's, insane that already that a thing? it's insane that they don't. And yes, that would make
0: a phenomenal OSU Max story. And you know, everyone would be eating up every second. That's something that I could see going viral beyond the Oklahoma State community to where people, you know, just nationwide are like, have y'all seen this crazy wrestler down in Oklahoma State? And it just goes totally viral. I could totally see that happening with an AJ Ferrari
1: series. You seen his dad watching him wrestle? Yes. Like, get that man on a microphone. It's terrifying. I'm I'm scared through the television watching. I can't imagine how scared young AJ was when he was training him to be the you know Olympic caliber wrestler that he is. But no, like, I think I think Bravo should pick that show up, or you know, MTV, whoever. It's going to be big, 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 big money. I'm sure Oshu Max is already working on it if they're not I'll be executive producer OSU max if you're listening right <laughs> so that that would be my my vote for sure so but no Colby again just final thoughts for me on, on signing day just again hell of a season from Oklahoma State again I, I picked them to go 10 and two I, I walked it back a great deal through two games but I did pick them to go 10 and two uh, they go 11 and two and they've Parlayed that Colby into the best class they've signed since 2011. I think Mike Gundy, his staff, despite losing Jim Knowles, which you referenced, did an outstanding job, and I want to see them build on this next year. You know, it's a limited number this year; they only signed what 17 guys. I think they next year they'll be able to sign more than that with the you know people graduating, things of that nature. But again, nothing but superlatives for me. Uh, Again, I think there is real star power particularly on the offensive side with Ollie Gordon, Talon Shetron, and even C.J. Brown at running back. I think, you know, because that was a huge question for me, Colby. Losing Jalen Warren was, what was going to happen at running back? Well, again, I think Ollie Go- Gordon can start day one. So for me, I'm, I'm thrilled with the class, and I think Mike Gundy deserves a lot of credit for, for stepping up his game.
0: Yeah, it's like you said. It's all about parlaying success, and it felt like you reached that crescendo in 2011, and then it didn't really kind of get you over that hump and it you you didn't really parlay it into something at a higher level uh and, and you kind of backtracked and now you're kind of going up that direction again parlay that success last year's success led to success in recruiting go have another great year have another great year in recruiting it's all about stacking one on top of another that's how you kind of build something in college football
1: absolutely colby It's been a good show. Appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll get back with you uh, next week. Absolutely, everybody. Have a great weekend. Go Pokes.